This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome to the Be Sotted Pride of West London podcast, coming to you live and direct from the epicentre of Brentford history, past, present and future. I don't don't know if you heard the radio show a couple of weeks ago, the Love Sport radio show, but I've been given a wonderful postcard by Paul Bryars recently that shows Kew Bridge in the 1880s, and it's got the Brentford Rowing Club heart, the Oxford and Cambridge pub where we were formed... And um, at the moment, we're in, a, in, in the process of recolorising that and for, uh, for, the, for the new Brentford Reimagine book. And so tonight, we're at Fuller's One Over the Eight pub, which sits exactly on the site where all that history took place. And also, obviously, it overlooks the new stadium. It's the perfect new Brentford boozer sat on the most traditional of settings. And they're looking after us really well tonight. There are people out and about having a drink, which is good to see. So with me tonight in one over the eight is Ali Malali. How are you, Ali? I'm very well. I've, I've, I've been out and stockpiled my paracetamol, um, ibuprofen, but I haven't been able to stockpile Lural, which is a bit of a worry. But apart from that, all is good. No signs as yet? No signs as yet. <coughs> <laughs> and we have Matt, the Allard Allard, who's uh, been airlifted in from Twickenham, from Nam this evening. How are you, the Allard? I'm very well, yeah. The Narn is all, is all good. Um, it's, um, it, I suppose it's quite pertinent you asking, how are you um, this evening? More, more so than normally. Normally we just brush over that. But actually now you're actually asking us how we are. Yeah. And so, yeah, you're fit? I'm fit and raring to go, yeah. Yeah, a bit, of a bit of a very hard fitness session last night, so a little bit achy, but it's only because of that. You're not a carrier? Definitely not a carrier, though. And last and not least is Savvy B. How are you, Savvy? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, we've, uh, I, I went away with the wife. We went to uh, northern Italy, uh, had a really nice time for her birthday. Uh, yeah, all good. It's really, yeah, really lovely holiday. Yeah. So as you can tell, we're being a bit flippant about it still at the moment. Things could change overnight. And before, we, before we start talking about football and stuff, I, like I do, had a, a, a flippant throwaway tweet um, earlier on in the week. And I, and, I, and I jokingly said at the time 
that because of the virus, the coronavirus, if it, you know, if it escalates as it, it could, and, and people are predicting that it might, that the final game at Griffin Park stands every chance of being played behind closed doors and, you know, of all the emotional kind of farewells that we all want to pay the old girl, none of us might be allowed in to, to, to say those goodbyes. So, you know, at the time I was just like, you know, it, it seemed like a bit of a, like a futuristic kind of post-apocalyptic kind of nightmare, but it stands every chance at, uh, at some stage that the, the UK government might copy what the Italian government and the, the Italian football authorities have done, start playing games behind closed doors. So it's a strange old world we're living in at the moment and God knows what's going to happen over the next few weeks. But, you know, watch this space. We do know that we are at home on this Saturday and as far as we know at this moment in time, we will be allowed to enter the ground. So uh, hopefully nothing changes there either. So we did talk about the Cardiff game on the Love Sport radio show. If you haven't heard the Love Sport radio show on Monday, it was um, Billy, Billy the B Grant and uh, Dave XG Anderson. They, they were on talking about um, the, the Cardiff game, 2-0 up, ended the game 2-all, which uh, you know, obviously wasn't brilliant. We played the fan clips then. We won't, we won't do that again tonight. But Matt, there was, there was something that kind of jumped out from the, the post post radio show fallout Dave XG Anderson's got a little bit of online grief has he not yeah I think um, so Love Sport Radio uh, cleverly I guess because it's, because it's all about getting some attention on social media have, um, have quoted Dave Anderson and not only have they quoted him they've um, bless them they put a little video on there as well of him saying that I think Cardiff or they were one of the worst teams I've seen in the championship he didn't say whether he meant this season or forever but, any, but nevertheless that that was the point he made. He has, bless him, he's been absolutely hammered by Cardiff fans um, for this, um, mainly because they got a decent result against us and also because many of them felt that they, you know, they should have had a penalty in the last few um, minutes of the game and, um, and they were the team on top at the end. So it uh, hasn't gone too well for Dave. Um, he has, he's, he's, he's made a, I think he's replied to a couple of them and he's kind of stuck to his guns. And to be honest, I'm going to support him a little bit because I know what Dave, I know what he was saying is he wasn't saying he, when he said they were one of the worst teams in the championship he wasn't saying they were one of the least effective teams in the championship I think what he means is by our standards and I've got to be a little bit careful because he has been called well we've, in fact someone's called us all pretentious because we support a team that pass it a thousand times um, but I think for you know for us that watch the football Brentford play Cardiff are going to appear as one of the worst teams in the championship anyway yeah do yourselves a favour, download the, uh, the uh, Love Sport radio show from Monday night and, and have a, li- a little bit of a listen. And that's, of course, Dave Anderson, otherwise known as XG Dave. So before we move on, we'll go around the table and we, we, we'll pull out one thing, really, what we learn or what we, what we kind of remember from the Cardiff game. The Allard. I suppose um, I didn't think... I thought we were played pretty well against Cardiff in terms of attacking options and creating stuff I thought I thought the set pieces were better on the attacking side so yeah so, so my take from it is that I'm thinking that you know on Saturday I'm not dreading it I'm not thinking that you know we're we, you know I think on Saturday we can go out there and we can win and that, and that was really my thought from the Cardiff game we were 2-0 up um, we should have won the game that's clear but in terms of going forwards I thought we were pretty good on Saturday 
Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree to a, to a certain degree that you know we the, the, the level of the performance for a lot of the game was was high. Um, we obviously threw away a two goal lead, which you're not happy about. No, I mean I agree with Matt and you. And you. I think the level of performance going forward was much better. Was high. Much better than Luton. Well, anything would have been better than Luton, to be frank. Um, and. Oh, set pieces have obviously been worked on between Luton and Cardiff. Uh, what I found frustrating was having conceded one goal at the back post, we then conceded another goal at the back post. So there's obviously something that needs to be worked on there in terms of if Dalsgaard comes into the middle, who's covering at the back post? To Silva and Romero have got to do a better job there because it's re- really, really frustrating to see almost a carbon copy of the first goal go in 10 minutes later. So the... The kind of pattern of our season, or certainly since our season took an you know a marked improvement, was that we always follow a defeat with an improved performance and normally a victory. That didn't happen, um, and we started to draw games uh, recently. Not all of which have been poor results because in one of them was against Leeds. Um, one of them we found we were two 0 down and we fought back to get a two draw against Blackburn. Um, one of them was an away point against Birmingham at St Andrews, which on reflection isn't an awful result. And then Saturday was probably the most calling one because obviously we, had, we were two goals ahead. But I think what Matt said is right. Yeah, I think we can go into the Sheffield Wednesday game quite positive that we've got all the ingredients back apart from leaking goals which you know we have to make sure we don't but we're not kind of spluttering it was it was a game where we on the front foot we look slick we look confident and we look dangerous i, I watched a game on iFollow uh, complete the whole the whole game uh, on on the sunday and when you know it's 2-2 and you know when the goals come then you can actually concentrate on the performance rather than getting emotional about oh we threw away a two goal lead I actually watched the performance and the performance was really, really good. Yes, there was the two goals. The first one was actually really well worked. Uh, and as Ali says, we should have learned from that and not conceded the second. But it was a really good performance. And the standout man for me was Norgard. He was superb, absolutely superb throughout the game. And the fact that he got absolutely smashed to bits. I mean, actually uh, kneed in the head when he was down on the floor. And he was whacked in the shins uh, another time. They, Cardiff knew, Cardiff knew who the, who the playmaker was, and uh, they concentrated on him. But the performance overall was really, really good. And as you say, you know, you, you have a bad performance and you come back with a better one. We never won, but the performance was superb. I think Sav makes a really good point, actually. And I think it is worth, if you have time, if you can invest time, I know not everybody can, to actually re-watch a game and then reevaluate a game because if you do know the score you can watch it you know with uh, you know with, without that sort of emotion you have which understandably you have because that's what football's all about it's about emotion and we shouldn't take you know not suggesting we shouldn't be be emotional at games but if you do have the time to watch back a game sometimes you can see a different story to the one you believed you watched on the day it's just a general point ali you're a big advocate of letting your emotions kind of not 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 run away with you i mean i'm not i'm not i'm not but you 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 like the raw like after the game absolutely rant if you're not happy about it how how are you how how are you thinking about matt's suggestion of like watching the whole game back i can bear to 
could have been. I'll watch it all back if we won and everything, but after throw away two goal league, God, no, I couldn't. Yeah, I'm a bit like that. If it, I, I, watch, I watch the highlights on question. That's as much as I can stomach. <laughs> to be honest, I, I'm genuine. I'm generally the same. Is that if if we win a game and we play brilliantly, I can't wait to watch it back. And if we lose a game, I don't want to think about the game anymore. I won't even watch Quest that evening. That's quite normal. Oh, we lose, I won't if, watch if, we, if we play if we play badly. But sometimes, when we've played well and we've lost, and I think there's been a bit of an injustice, I do find it quite therapeutic watching the game again. Um, again, you, you need to have a bit of time on your hands to be able to do this, and it's not probably something everyone can manage. Well, when I'm self-isolating next week, I might, I might, I might, I might, I might do that. You'll be able to watch the last five seasons of games. Yeah, anyway, screw watching that game back. I, I enjoy my day out. I was a little bit uppity that we, we threw away the lead, um, but it was a really entertaining game. Um, we're going to have a bit of a twang now, and then we're going to have a roundup because there's stuff to round up. So we're going to have a little bit of a news roundup. Thanks to Paul Harrison, who uh, did a piece for Besotted.com today. One of the, one of the headlines there is it's a bit of news and some information that we've been crying out for for the last few weeks. News on our captain, Pontus Janssen. So basically, he may or may not be back soon or something. Um, and whatever it is exactly that's been stopping him from playing, it cannot be rushed, whatever that may be. Are you, are you clear on that, Sav? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite clear that uh, he's got a niggling injury and uh, he may or may not uh, play soon. That's about it, really, isn't it? Pontus is, you know, he's been he's been labelled as kind of this captain inspiration. He's the player that is the hole in our defence at the moment. The success and failure of our season depends on whether he's available or not. True. I look one man team. Is it then? Are we saying it's a one man team? Because that's that, that's the message I get from that. I'm not convinced it's quite as clear as that no, it's not, not as clear as a one man team but the leadership that he provides is the thing that's been missing the last few weeks and that's been kind of the, the reason that we've been letting in goals and we've not been performing to where we were either side of Christmas I guess, I guess to some extent the results say that um, I think we've probably played badly when he has played for us at times this season um, so you know I, I just think I, honestly if we I get a bit concerned because if you start to get into the mentality that you're a one-man team and that's basically what I'm sort of hearing from people what happens when in the second playoff game suddenly he gets another niggle or an injury you know it just for me I just think you have to sort of move beyond that um, and yeah just 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 move on from it a bit uh, Sav's right he's obviously got this this injury and I know people find it kind of difficult not understanding why the club don't particularly um, communicate this but I'm not I don't think there's anything being massively hidden I just think he's got an injury and basically they're almost like tossing a coin or or whatever to work out when to risk it because when they and they will risk it at some point they want him then to get through to the end of the season rather than break down and actually potentially not play for the rest of the season and I and, and I'm I wouldn't be surprised if that's effectively what they're trying to figure out and why we're not getting the information that, you know, a lot of people believe we deserve. I just think this one's a bit of a difficult one. Ali, I know you've become big pals with Pontus's brother. Um, he, 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 he is the font of all knowledge. 
what, what's the latest? What's the latest from, from Camp Pontus? Uh, well, I haven't heard anything from Pontus' brother since I pointed out that every time he says he's going to be back next week, he's never back. Um, but Pontus himself came out on Instagram last night and he has said it has been the absolute worst month for a long time to not be able to out on the pitch and play games, which you think, yes, great, he's coming back. And then he goes, I am soon there. This is he says that word, so the, his English is as good. I am soon there where I want to be and I promise that I have given and will give absolutely everything to be back as soon as possible. So that's um, basically something that says absolutely nothing other than what he's got an injury and he might be back soon, but he, he, he might not. I, I think... I think when he comes back, there's a huge amount of pressure on him because if he then doesn't put in a monumental performance that everybody's expecting and everything, suddenly we're... Not everybody, but there's this feeling that Pontus will come back and everything will be all right, you know, and uh, a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure on one man. I mean, and there was a lot of pressure to start. I mean, uh, when he first went missing, we were worried that could we win without him and then we proved that we could and now it's, you know... Our, our squad overall has become weakened. There's, there's, there's a few injuries that are just more than Pontus. And, and, I, and, I, and I said after the game on, on Saturday that I didn't think that that 11 was a, promo, a promotion quality 11. But there are players coming back and, you know, it will give us a shot in the arm if Pontus is, is one of those players that returns. Yeah, so, I mean, I think it's a fair point, isn't it? You know, the, he's not the only one missing. Jensen's missing. I mean, I, Jensen is in that brilliant um, uh, moment of a footballer's career where by not playing, you become much better than when you were playing. Because let's remember, there were lots of people questioning him when he was playing. Now he's not playing. He's part of the key, the mystery key to why we're not any good anymore. And he's been sort of elevated. And, and, and I love it. I just love it when players get better when they don't play. Uh, I, th- I think I know. I know you're saying that you know we're, we're we're nowhere near the full strength. I think it's only Jensen and Jansen that are missing from our full strength team. And uh, I mean, yes, Makocho could come in and do a job. You know, if yeah. the silver needs a rest or something like that. Fair enough. Uh, but I don't think we're that far away. And I think what's happened is that the results have dipped, not because they're not playing, because I think we've got good players who can replace them. I think it's partly because this is a really shit time of year in terms of the weather. And the weather, the weather has been suiting teams that we are playing. Cardiff love this kind of weather. Birmingham love this kind of weather. And we, we, we play a different kind of game that requires a little bit better weather. And it's not, I know it's not a brilliant excuse, but I honestly oh, think oh, we are better when, when, when the weather is better. So, you, so the doubters, they're going to say, you're right up your own arse. You're all aloof. You're all oi polloi, passing pretty, pretty football. Ali... I can't believe, Sam, you've just used the weather as an excuse. I'm really sorry. But it's just so like the weather is the same for both teams. Hold, hold on. I, I am, I am going to defend Sav to a certain degree here. Yeah, but but it's Sav. Uh, no, no. You can just see how, how a Cardiff fan would go, oh... But if all our, if all our football is, is to feet, beautiful cross-field balls, people running and, and re- reliant... If you're playing the ball to feet, the wind shouldn't be an issue. But no, but we, we have we have started to play a little bit longer. Yeah, but when, if you, when there's wind, all of a sudden we decide like we're going to start hitting the ball longer. So, so the wind, so the wind, so the wind does affect the way we want to play. 
Well, I, I don't think you should because I think if, if you play the ball on the ground, no, no, the no. wind is not an issue. No, no, no. If you want to play the ball in the air, but the it's windy, then the wind affects the, your ability to play the ball in the air. We started doing that when it's got windy. Because we've chosen to do that because well, we want to. Go- when it's got windy. Because Why I, don't you play the ball on the ground like we've always done. So, so you ha- so the wind does affect the way the way you can play. It's, what, what it is, it's a little bit different. It's, it, we, we play football with precision passes. There are other teams that play football where they... No, 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 but there are other teams that play football where they put the ball into a zone. And that zone is where a player should be or a player should be going to. Um, and, it, and it's about, you know, teams that play longer than we do. But most of our passing is precision. It's ball to feet. And therefore, if you do get a crap pitch or you do get a bit of wind, it's going to affect us far more than a team that is saying, right, play the ball over the right back and we'll take a pun that someone's going to run onto it. It's also the, the defence. I mean, the defence is struggling because these balls are coming at them and they can't judge them. I mean, I Pinnock uh, let one in, well, he let one go over his head. and about Blackburn, yeah. And that was because of the wind. And I think that, that's... It is. A long ball into an, from us to another defence has the same effect. And if other teams but, are dealing with but, but as Matt it, said, if. Yeah, yeah, but my point is, is you're right, it is the same for both teams. But if the two teams are playing in a different way, it's not actually the same for both teams. And that's kind of my point on the way. No, I would say that our problem has been in recent games that we have been sucked into playing a way that doesn't suit us, hitting the long ball over the top. And when the wind is making that long ball more unpredictable, I don't see why we're doing it. Well, if you watch the game back oh, later no. on, no, no, no. We, we, we could, we, not, not being funny. We could go round and round in circles on that. Um, I tend to agree with the Allards that, it, 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 in terms of if, if you've got two teams playing different different styles, then the wind will affect them in different ways. It, I agree with Ali. If you're if you've got two perfectly matched teams if Brentford were playing uh, Swansea um, I'd I'd suggest that both teams wouldn't really be affected by it because they'd be playing on the ground but um, the minute you minute the conditions stop you playing the the way you want to play if there's balls that you can't play because of the conditions then the wind does affect you yeah and, and I'm not saying we're not flawed because if we were the perfect team, we would be able to adjust and play in a different way. But, but we just don't have the players to do that. And, and that's all because of budget, etc., etc. We don't have... If you've got a team of six-footers, they're all six-footers, and they're all technically brilliant, you can play football whatever way you want to play. Uh, but, but we don't quite have that, so we, we are a bit flawed. Yeah. I, no, I, I'm going to not. I'm going to slip this one now because I think we, there's a chance of us getting really, really pedantic um, over all our opinions. <laughs> I think well, I'm going to sum this up by saying, Sav, you're, you're out of order by using the weather as a reason for us not winning on Saturday. You're so, so wishy-washy for using the weather as an excuse. Southern shandy swigging bastards. So. Moving on, Reading got knocked out of the FA Cup last night to Sheffield United in extra time. Um, won't be losing any sleep over them losing a game, but it did affect us because um, our away game at the Majeski goes ahead as planned um, on March the 21st, virus permitting. Um, tickets go on sale Thursday, which is today, if you're listening to this on Thursday morning, four o'clock. Um, 2,219 tickets are available. They go to season ticket holders first. They get first dibs on them according to their tap points. Um, And then 
as the week goes through, less and less and less. And a week, oh, yeah, and a week's time, they go to club members in on general sale. So Reading away is a game we should probably get close to selling out. I mean, what, quite what the the kind of uh, the magnitude of that game we'll we'll see in the next couple of weeks because obviously you know it relies on us getting maximum points on Saturday. We'll get on to that. Something else, Sav, that's close to your heart is Cyprus. You've been a Cypriot, um, or I have a Cypriot heritage. B team are out there at the moment. Uh, lucky boys. They won 6-0 against Paphos earlier in the week. Jaden Brissett got a couple. Um, Matij Majak got... Um, sorry, Majaka got one. Frederick Hammer got one. Arthur Reed got one. And Nick Surula got one as well. Impressive. Uh, I think Nick Surula was really, really waxing lyrical on the, uh, the interview that I saw on the official Brentford website earlier in the week. Uh, the other B-team news is that... Brentford B play at home under the floodlights at Griffin Park Tuesday 10th of March next Tuesday against Glasgow Rangers 11 so that'll be um, a keenly contested affair Um, it should be a decent turnout for that you know we're saying there's only six league games left under the lights possibly a playoff game who knows but we do know that the, um, the, the B team are playing Rangers 11 next Tuesday so I'll probably get down there to make the most of that other big news really and I think this is really big news is the new stadium season ticket um, stats have been uh, been released so um, until this week 5,000 season tickets for the new Griffin Park Stadium have been sold um, and they've been sold so far to people that have bought premium seats um, fans that have got eight or seven years consecutive season ticket purchase in history. So all of those add up to 5,000 already. Um, currently, we've got 6,500 season tickets at Griffin Park for the last season there. So we are, we've got a long way to go. There's, there's six years, five years, four years, three years, two years, one years of season ticket. And his dog and a dog called Spot. And then we've got club members and then we've got the general public so the the the, the target of 10,000 or 11,000 season tickets for the new stadium looks really achievable what do you make of that so far Sav? I think I think that's uh, <laughs> superb and I think they are targeting 10,000 and there's people who remember the node zero and target 10,000 uh, we're actually we're actually doing it now uh, we're doing it this season and I can't see why we won't do it next uh, I think 10,000 is reasonable. I, th- I do wonder uh, what might happen if we go up. Uh, you know, I, th- I think we could get uh, 12,000 season ticket uh, sales. How amazing would that be? Well, it'll not be funny, Sam. If we go up, the place is going to sell out. You won't, you won't be able to get a ticket for New Griffin Park for love nor money, I don't think. 5,000 so far out. Are you happy with how things have gone so far? I mean... In, in terms of like the prioritising of, of, of fans and them being called down to the uh, reservation centre, you know, it seems to be yeah, it's been smooth and quite positive so far. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it's been I think it's been brilliant. I think that you know that there's people moaning about it who aren't season ticket holders, um, but uh, the whole one plus one thing. But I, I think it, it's you've got to prioritise some way, and you've got a stadium that's got another. 5,000 seats to sell so 
you know, plus ones. Most people, I think, from what I've seen, have been taking people who have got season tickets for less years, who are members or whatever, to get season ticket holders. I don't. Not many people are just taking Joe, Joe Public off the street or somebody who's never been to a Brentford game. So I, I think there's a. I think the club have done really well. I think they've promoted it really well. They've made it a really smooth and easy process for everybody. And I, I, I think it's fantastic that we've sold that many. Are you uh, looking forward to sold out games at New Griffin Park next year, Mr. Allard? Yeah, I just hope they all turn up, I suppose. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, ex- it's exciting. It's good to hear that the numbers are, are going through. It's good to hear that you know, there's plenty of other people that have still got a good stab but you know, getting a decent seat in the in the stadium. What of, what's what's five thousand a quarter of it? Not well, just a bit just a bit over a quarter. So there should be, you know, plenty of seats left and um, you know, I, I guess we're in a zone where we wanna increase the number of season ticket holders but still have the ability to sell tickets to you know, those that aren't able to necessarily afford a season ticket have to be a bit more picky about when they can attend and stuff like that. And let's hope that is the way it works out. And, I, you know, I've said this before on the podcast. You probably, you know, you may or may not listen to it every week. So I'll say this again. But um, the fear of missing out is obviously, you know, is a basic human instinct with things like this. You know, you know, it, it, the emotions are running high. You know, there's, uh, you know, this, it's going to be, it's going to be really, really sad when we leave Griffin Park. Griffin Park is something that's really special to all of us. Moving to the new stadium equally is a, is a kind of a delicate situation, and the, the the fear of not being able to sit where you want to sit is something that's bothering a lot of people, justifiably. Um, but the club had to prioritise and and, and um, allocate their the, the the selling of the season tickets in a certain way, and uh, you know it, it seems it seems right and it seemed clear that they they were upfront with how they were going to do it. Um, and they've 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 done so so far as far as I know, um, without without favour and without any kind of shirking of of, of the rules that they set. So um, I, I think that you know if you're concerned, I don't think you need to be. I, I honestly think that anyone that wants to get a season ticket at the new stadium will get one. I don't I don't and, unless we get promoted this year, then obviously it's going to be a bit of a bum fight. And but what would you expect? You know. Um, it's, it's only it's only so many people you can fit into that stadium, so that, that's the that's the that's the great unknown is that we get promoted through the playoffs, then thing things are going to change, but that that would change for every single football club in the world, not just Brentford. It won't be anything that we've done particularly wrong. It'd just be that, unfortunately, the stadium actually wasn't big enough for the circumstances. So we'll see how that goes. But, you know, back in the real world, I I think that anyone that wants to get a season ticket for next year will be doing so. And hopefully they'll be able to sit in an area where they want. Before we move on, Sav, you're behind Push Up Brentford, which is an oral history project. Um, you've uh, got some funding from um, the Heritage Lottery to basically run a project which collects Brentford fans and Brentford celebrities' memories of the club and Griffin Park itself. Uh, how's all that going? And tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah, it's going really well. It's a, it's a community-based project. So what we've done is we've got uh, 16 volunteers who are mainly Brentford fans but people interested in uh, social history. And uh, they've got together, we've trained them up into interviewing skills and, and uh, recording skills. And uh, they've come up with a load of questions uh, for Brentford fans, uh, Brentford player, ex-Brentford players, etc. 
and uh, we've started the interviews and uh, we've, we're about halfway through doing the interviews and we've got some lovely, lovely stuff. It's going really, really well. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a really nice project. Real, really feels like a, a, it's a kind of lot of people uh, feeding into it. It's not just one or two people sort of, you know, producing a film or producing a, an oral history project. It's, it's a lot of people. And that's what I think makes it really special. And you've got people, uh, volunteers from 16 to 76 years old. And it's just a really lovely community project. So I've recorded a little bit with Sav um, about the projects. It's a bit of an extended kind of uh, talk through about what, what fans can expect. Um, and I'm going to publish a, um, like a bit of a history pilot, besotted, if you know your history, pilot podcast next week where we'll talk about more historical matters. I mean, the, you know, we, we do that on, on, on this podcast a fair bit, but I think we'll use that as a vehicle, really, just to talk about history. And I, and I think um, you're, you've kindly um, said that you'll allow us to, to serialise some of the interviews and, and, some, and some of the, you know, the highlights of the, uh, the project that you're putting together and to, be, to, to run them in those If You Know Your History podcast so we'll trial one next week and I you know in which I'll I'll talk to Brendan Nevin who's the artist behind the Brentford Reimagined uh, colorization project uh, Brendan he, he talks a little bit more about the procedure what what's involved in colorizing these uh, these old black and white pictures so uh, yeah watch out for something a little bit different a little bit special to drop probably next Wednesday I'm trying to work out a time where it doesn't clash with anything else that we're doing. So, yeah, maybe we'll try it next Wednesday. So there'll be a, a half-an-hour pilot history podcast. So uh, listen out for that and hope you enjoy it. So looking around the championship this week, some of the other really big news involves Leeds United. Uh, their goalkeeper, Kiko Casilla, was found guilty um, with a, by the FA of... Uh, racist abuse um, of, a, of a Charlton player um, and, and, and the punishment for, for, the, for the abuse was an eight match ban um, there seems to be a lot of fans with different opinions on this uh, from, from our perspective here it seems to be a, a very very strange um, hypocrisy in how football players are treated and how general staff are treated within the same organisation of the same crime. Um, if uh, a press officer at a football club had been found guilty of the same charges, he would have been sacked, he would have been out of the club, bringing the, game into, bringing the, the club into disrepute, out on his ear. Um, because he's a footballer, it seems like the club are going to stand by the player um, and they're not going to sack him. And it, I don't really want to get into the ins and outs of this, this sp specific case because you'd have to read through the, the whole report. I'm going to go around the table and say, what would you expect Brentford to have done in this situation? I would expect it wouldn't be too, too different from what Leeds are doing. He will serve his eight-match ban and then he would have sort of spent his, his uh, sentence. And in theory, he should just remain a, a player, uh, you know, and, and get back into the team if he's if he's good enough. Uh, what you do at the end of it, at the end of the season is a different matter. And I think you know there, there are there, there are sort of you know uh, precedent with um, Alan McCormack who was found guilty of uh, abusing a female lineswoman. 
and uh, and at the end of that season he was kind of let go and you know sort of pushed out the door I suspect Leeds might do the same thing uh, but yeah I mean it's a, it's a kind of it's too much of a hypothetical really to, to know what Brentford would do but uh, yeah I think I think you've, you've also got to do that thing that you know if somebody has uh, been given um, you know uh, a sentence and they they serve that sentence then you know after that they are you know they're, they're back in the game so that's how I see it. I mean, certain Leeds fans were had their conspiracy heads on, and and they said he was found guilty just so it would affect their promotion challenge. Um, I, I don't think the the football league or the FA would 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 be so ridiculous as to have any promotion or relegation concerns when they're finding someone guilty or not guilty on this um, on, on under these charges. Out. Um, what, what would you... I mean, I know Brentford have got a very, very um, thorough um, personality uh, criteria. They go out, they go way beyond, hopefully, what other clubs do in checking out personalities and, and the background of players. They, they, you know, um, Thomas Frank called it no dick, is a no-dickhead policy. How would you expect Brentford to have reacted in similar circumstances? I would have liked to think that they would have fired a player in that position, but... I think generally all football clubs would have most football clubs would have done what Leeds have done and I, I think we have to I think that's a, a failing in, not, I'm not going to say it's a failing in Leeds United I don't think that's fair I think it's a failing in football as a whole and until the problem with this sort of thing and with the racism of football in general it, at some point it needs a club somewhere where something like this happens and it doesn't matter which club it is, but it needs a club somewhere at some point to say, no, that's not acceptable. This is your place of work. It's not acceptable in the place of work. You are fired. You've brought the club into disrepute. We are terminating your contract. End of story. And until... Well, you sounded like Alan Sugar then. Yeah, but it, it, until that happens, until that happens, it's going to be uh, it, it, it's going to be an issue that is never going to go away. And the same thing with racism from the terraces. You know, until somebody comes down really, really hard on it, it's not going to go away. You know, you know, the EFL or the FA needs to say two-year ban, you know, like a drugs offence. And it, it, it's just, it's not going to go away with, you know, OK, you miss eight games and you, you get a, a slap on the wrist. And I don't think, I think most other clubs, and I think in all likelihood, we would have done the same. We'd have said, OK, you served your eight-year ban back you come and it's a malaise in football that needs to be addressed and until it's seriously addressed and somebody stands up and says enough's enough this is a place of work that's it you're out it, it, it's going to keep rearing its ugly head I'm afraid Mr Allard um, talking hypothetically and, and I'm going to use Neil Morpé as, as an example and is obviously this is literally just for an example say last year he was found guilty of saying exactly the same thing to a Charlton player and Brentford had done what Ali suggests to made a stand basically by doing that Brentford would have chucked 20 million quid down the drain and they're not going to be the club that, that makes that stand is that is, is, is what we're hoping clubs should do in, in reaction to these allegations is it unrealistic yeah I 
the, the problem is, is these are assets, isn't it? Um, the, the Derby situation was different in that it wasn't about racism, but the way the players were dealt with, the player who wasn't an asset of the club, Richard Keogh, he was allowed to go, um, or his contract was terminated or whatever. Um, the players that were assets stayed at the club. Um, so that's a problem, I think, is, it, is it's about the value to the club. And, um, and I suppose there may be an argument that says, if you have an asset worth 20 million and then you get rid of them, are you actually ultimately, um, you know, does that go against, you know, what your, your potential to buy more players, etc., etc. Um, I, I'd like to think it would be more moral than that. I, I think the problem, you know, with, with Casillas, I mean, for me, where it all is a bit odd is this whole thing I you know and I'm going to go back to the particular defence is you know he's I've never what do you say I've never heard the word used before so this is a what sheltered life he's led he's never seen a Quentin Tarantino film for a start Um, it just doesn't none of this you know it doesn't really add up any of it Um, I'd like to think we wouldn't have signed this player in the first place because there'd have been warning signs or whatever you know the no dickhead policy stuff like that I being realistic I think if, the, if, if it's an asset to the club I, I'm just not sure the club is going to write off 20 million and I, and I think that the difference between a football player and any other member of staff within a football club is the fact that there's a transfer system exactly. for the players so, so if, if, a, if, a, if your director of football is found guilty of the same crime I'll call it a crime then he's sacked and you get another one in but the, the, he's not you didn't buy him in and, you, and and he's not got any resale value absolutely or the manager or the 34 year old player who's on his you know a downturn in his career it, this is where the problem is I, I think is that it's not you know the, the value is considered rather than the offence do you know what I mean so so Basically, the club is playing this out based on the fact they don't want to lose money. But then, I think, taking all that on board, it comes down to the football authorities, like the FA or the EFL, to actually put in one, two-year bans for for racism. So the the punishments need to get harsher based, based on the fact that they are aware that the clubs themselves won't take draconian action because they've got a bigger financial stake in the outcome. I think the, the other issue on this one is that, uh, that there's no obvious proof uh, that, uh, that he actually made that comment. He denies it. Uh, there was a, a, one, one of the other Charlton players overheard it and thinks that's what was said. So it's, it's kind of tricky. I mean, I think Ali's right. Two-year ban, if you can prove it, you know, without any doubt. But without, you know, when there is a doubt, it's really, really difficult because you could just ruin someone's career and it's just because, you know, somebody misheard it. So it is really, really difficult. There's a lot of allegations, isn't there, of mishearing. I mean, there was the... Uh, Sorry? There's a lot of allegations, isn't it? When an allegation of racism has been made, it, it, a lot of the defence comes down to, oh, you misheard. And it's very, very difficult. That's the problem. A lot of it's hearsay. 
So I think we're stuck with the system we've got by the sounds of it. You know, I, I think you know, we're all in agreement that if uh, a player is found guilty of uh, racially abusing another player or anyone, then the, the harshest punishment should be meted out to them. But uh, I, I can't see the football clubs themselves being party to that. They may go along with it if they're forced to, but I, 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 by the sounds of it, I think Kiko's eight-game eight bans is probably the, the strongest that we, we could expect. And that's not to say it's right. I just think in, sometimes you've got to be a realist. And I just think no club at all is going to take a £20 million hit. On, uh, on punishing their own player it, it, you know it, it is way way from perfect but I can't see I can't see it changing it it would be easier for uh, a man city of this world to do it than for a Brentford to do it wouldn't it let's face it they, they could probably afford to take the hit okay so we're we're going to come back and talk about this Saturday's game we got Sheffield Wednesday coming down to Griffin Park have a twang and then we'll hear what Dan Spadger Reynolds aka Mr Yellow Hat has got to say about his team um, and I'll, be, I'll, I'll tell you now if you're a Wednesday fan there's any sharp instruments laying around or any solvent um, I, I probably wouldn't listen to this at the moment so have a twang we'll hear what Spadger's got to say then we'll talk about what we think is going to happen at Griffin Park this Saturday yeah, good afternoon. Uh, my name's Dean Reynolds. The Twitter handle is uh, Spadger09. I'm also affectionately known as uh, Yellow Hat Man for the uh, Wednesday supporters. I've been following Wednesday home and away now for far, far too long, hence the receding hairline. Yeah, how's the season been so far? Well, started off in a bit of a turmoil with Bruce leaving. Then we get uh, Monk appointed as uh, as manager and, yeah, on the pitch, we were we were okay, not pulling up any trees, but we seemed to have a togetherness. And then since Christmas, we don't really have to uh, say say much. Words can't really explain how poor we've actually been uh, again on and off the pitch. So Gary came in after a few games of the season, and yeah, was seemed to sort of take on from where Bruce left off. Really, uh, seemed a togetherness on the pitch, everybody working for each other. Uh, didn't really have to change a great deal. He did have a few uh, issues with a few, a few players, one being uh, Odebajo, and sort of told him where he sort of stood at the time, and haven't really seen him since. And we were grinding out results. We weren't playing great, not playing great by one one bit, but uh, we managed to find a way to win. Uh, you only have to have a look at the the game that we played, you guys, uh, here at. Hillsborough, one nil down. Didn't really have a clue where we were going. Monk made a couple of substitutions. We were very fortunate to get the penalty. Don't know what your fullback was doing, but decided to play beach volleyball or something. Uh, and we got lucky and got a two-one win. And look, you guys didn't play great. I've seen you play a lot, lot better. But again, we came up to Christmas and we thumped Forest four nil, and that was four nil in the first half. And since then, it has capitulated. Why is that? Many, many reasons, I think. Uh, you, you hear the phrase, of players, uh, they've lost, uh, the manager's lost the dressing room. Well, he's definitely lost two players and we haven't seen them since. One being Westwood and one being Hutchinson. Obviously, there's reasons there because it's not the first time a manager's left them out. 
they seem to pack up uh, and give in not long after them decisions were made to leave out them two key players. There was no togetherness. Nobody was trying for each other. There was no, there's no movement off the ball. There's lots and lots of things going off behind the scenes as we, it's well documented. Do we get the points deduction? Do we get fined? Who knows? Uh, but that was hanging over us before Christmas. So they can't hardly put that down to an excuse. And we, the players have just not hit form. There's some appalling, appalling, appalling performances at the moment. And one of the final major reasons for taking the dip in form is Fletcher was injured after Christmas. It's evident that he was needed a lot, lot more one than what the fans thought he was needed. Uh, he was sort of the the glue that held everything together. And since he left, it's uh, can hardly score, can't defend, no cohesion at all within the within the team. Look, it's been as I said. We I mentioned it. I've touched on it before about the business off the st- off the uh, pitch as well. The EFL looking at uh, financial fair play. Uh, the talk of the selling the stadium. Mister Chenseri, similar to what Derby had done, uh, has created companies and sold off the stadium uh, to himself, uh, and the and then the. The club is buying the stadium back uh, over a three or four year period. I can't remember can remember such, but uh, I don't think it's the problem of selling the ground to himself. I think it's more so the the value. Uh, however, surely something's only worth what you what somebody wants to pay for it. So we'll soon find out what's uh, happening on that score. The non investment, non existent businesses. Well, look. <laughs> There's a, there was a taxi company that was never was. Uh, we also have uh, Elevate, which is a, an existing business, but uh, not sure to what extent that is. And, and then you have the season ticket debacle. Uh, look, I'm one of the fortunate stroke, unfortunate ones uh, that was able to afford a five-year season ticket last year. The prices were extremely keen and it was sold on the premise that uh, we continually invest in the team. However, we can't because we've got no money. Uh, then you've got the 10-year season ticket, which is all down to getting into the Premiership. If we don't get into the Premiership, then uh, the ticket doesn't cost you anything and it just rolls on to the following season and the following season until we do reach the season, uh, the uh, the promised land. I don't think many uh, people have taken that that up. And the state of the club in general is is a bit is a, is a shambles. No money to spend. We've been under embargoes, and there is nobody talking from the top. Uh, the top. Mr. Chancer is around, but it's very very quiet. So a lot of fans are getting uh, very very sick of the whole situation, and uh, they're starting to keep away. And that'll be evident tonight with the FA Cup tie against Man City. A few seasons ago, we had Arsenal. It was a sellout. I would say that there's probably only a fifty percent uptake on the tickets at the moment, and there's only a few hours to go before the start of the gear, the uh, the gear, the match. Well, at the moment, we don't have that many players uh, performing uh, at at all, and probably all of them, barring one or two, need to work a damn sight harder. Murphy's just re- recently got uh, Player of the Month, but. To be honest, he had no competition whatsoever. He's come on leaps and bounds probably uh, since Christmas while everybody else has gone backwards and 
He's trying to carry the team on his back. Bannon always tries, seems to try hard. Uh, he's got a tendency at the moment to throw his arms around in the air and blame everybody else when it's not going away. And such is his game's gone off the boil. Uh, Liam Palmer, he's he's sort of been asked to do what he, he what what he needs to do. But as I say, everybody else is it's just uh, it's just not good. And hopefully they can prove me all wrong uh, on Saturday, and this will make no sense whatsoever. But yeah. I'm very, very fearful of uh, your front three, especially Ben Rama and Watkins. We was lucky at Hillsborough. We kept Watkins quiet. Uh, unfortunately, he's, he's that type of player that if Gary Monk does play Tom Lees, he's likely to get bullied uh, and he's likely to cause us a whole lot of bother. And I don't know whether Pontus is, is fit or not, but it's always good winding him up and... Uh, He's a decent player, he's a stopper. He wears the hat on his sleeve, so uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if, if he can do the job on Saturday. How do we combat you guys? I don't know. We have to work a lot, lot harder off the ball than what we have been doing and try and keep uh, your front two or three quiet. We've got to try and limit the space that you've got because you move the ball so quickly. Uh, if I was Monk, I'd let you have the ball in the back. I'd let you have the ball around the centre spot but just close the space off so you can't get behind us and hurt us fortunately for you unfortunately for ourselves it's something that we haven't done for a long long time and then how do I see it panning out well it depends <laughs> I just honestly don't know which Sheffield Wednesday will turn up I don't think it'll be a low scoring game uh, I'll probably leave it at that and yeah it's the last game that I will be seeing at uh, at Griffin Park. Very, very fond memories there, including a couple of, well, one playoff semi-final when we uh, when we won under Sturrock and we got promoted that, that season with a great day out in Cardiff that followed. Then we uh, had Liera's header uh, when we beat you. Uh, and whilst on, on the train on the way back, Sheffield United fa faltered and we got promoted that season. Zhao's goal in the last minute, which went down quite a storm after the game. But since then, we haven't really had much to cheer about. Uh, but I would like to uh, say the, the hospitality afforded to myself, my friends and all the other Wednesdayites by you guys various drinking establishments around the ground has been top-notch and uh, yeah something that one will be missed but hopefully can be replicated when you get into the new stand and finally the score prediction I would say 4-2 4-3 I can't see us winning if we squeeze a draw then we'll be celebrating in the pub with you while you're drowning your sorrows because I know you really need a win but look thanks for listening to me waffle on and see most of you on Saturday cheers bye-bye so there you have it, Mr. Yellow Hat himself has uh, basically made me feel a hell of a lot better about Saturday. Not that I was feeling down in the dumps anyway. I think Sheffield Wednesday's uh, results since uh, the, turn of the turn of the year have been pretty average, to say the, say the least. Um, and we spoke earlier about Brentford actually being pretty, pretty solid on Saturday, apart from uh, obviously conceding a couple of flaky goals. Uh, overall, the standard of our performance had markedly improved since the Luton game a few days earlier. So hopefully we can put the end of that run of tricky fixtures behind us, get a win under our belts and then just look forward at the running. I think the running actually starts Saturday 
Um, we, we, we were a little bit premature on our talk of the running before. Um, when, when, we, we, when we got to that Leeds fixture, it seemed like that was the decider. We've got, we've got the West Brom game to look forward to in a, in a, in a couple of weeks' time. Sorry? So Fulham and West Brom, of course. So, uh, yeah, we've got big games ahead. But I think Saturday, it's all about three points and getting back to winning ways. Sav, let's go around the table uh, anti-clockwise. Thoughts, hopes and fears for the Sheffield Wednesday game this Saturday? Well, I hope the weather's good. Uh, <laughs> no wind. No, 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 no winds, no, no blustery nothingness. No, I, I think, uh, I mean, yes, you're right, Sheffield Wednesday have been in free fall um, and, uh, and we have improved and I think, um, I think we're going to improve a bit more. I've, I've got high hopes for Saturday. Um, I think we are a good team and I think we're getting back to, to playing better football. I think Norgard had a, had a great game. Uh, I think we're, yeah, um, I'm, I'm positive about Saturday. I think we've got the, mate, uh, the beating of them. Uh, I don't think uh, we've ever had a particularly bad game against them. I know we lost uh, their ground, but uh, I think we played quite, quite well that game for, for most, most of the time. Yeah, that's right. It was uh, Jordan Rhodes actually came on and changed that game. He was really finding good pockets. He was a very clever player. And uh, I think he changed the game for them. And Fletcher, who isn't playing, uh, scored the two goals. So, yeah, I've got high hopes and I'm going for a 3-0 Bees win. Rico Henry needs to keep his hands in his pockets for this one because he gave that he gave that handball away that let Wednesday back into the game up at Hillsborough. Um, Yellow Hat he talks of, he said that words cannot describe how bad we've been since Christmas. He talks about Gary Monk seemingly to have lost lost the team. Um, he talks about the appalling appalling performances. Al, it's not really about Sheffield Wednesday this week. It's it's about what we do. Uh, what again? What what are your hopes and fears? Uh, my hopes is that going forward we will be as good, if not better, as we were at Cardiff. Um, I think attacking wise, we're started to to get back into our rhythm a bit. My fear is if Sheffield Wednesday come and they press us and they get stuck into us, our seeming, I'm going to say seeming because I'm sure it's not a complete lack, seeming lack of desire to win the second ball in midfield, unless your name is Norgard, um, may cause us some issues and... At the moment, the way things, I, I, I hope we could keep a clean sheet. I think keeping a clean sheet could be quite important. I think, I don't, I wouldn't go so, I wouldn't be as optimistic as, as three 0 I, I, I think one nil or two one. Yeah, I mean you're right. We we can't be conceding two goals again and and, and and hoping that we can get more than one point out of this game. We need we do need to learn something from what's happened in recent weeks. Yeah, absolutely. We've got to stop being draw specialists, basically, haven't we? We've got to get back. Um, I think the last game we won was Middlesbrough, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think we, we we really need a win, and I think we don't want to give anybody a head start. And if we get ourselves ahead, we have to not sit on that lead because that's the worst thing we could do. We, I think when we try and sit on the lead, that's when it all goes horribly wrong. I think we just need to go through the, the jugular a bit. But uh, like I said, oh, 2-1. I can't see us keeping a clean sheet. I'd like us to, but I don't think we will. Mr. Allard, where do you stand with Gary Monk and the, the uh, visiting Sheffield Wednesday team? 
what do you say what words can't describe how bad they've been since but then he spends a lot of words describing it which is good um, I it sounds like it's not great there at the moment so therefore you would expect that you know Saturday will go according to plan which is not what we've seen for a long time I'll give you a weather update I think the weather forecast we concluded was important um, Ali less so but, the, but, but some others around the table maybe thought it was uh, so um, 11 degrees Celsius which is nice and relatively mild I would say a lack of gloves hopefully on the players on lack of gloves but maybe face masks Maybe face masks will be obligatory. Um, wind, wind, um, west southwesterly wind uh, at 13 kilometres per hour, which I think in old money is eight miles an hour. That sounds very, very reasonable. Gusts of 20 kilometres an hour, that's probably 13 or 14 miles an hour. That sounds good. And only and a UV index of only one, so no dangerous sunburn either. So it sounds, it sounds perfect. And to be honest, if we don't win on Saturday... I'm starting to run out of excuses, excuses yeah. <laughs> it sounds very clement. It sounds very clement, yes. Um, so I'm going 3-1 to Brentford, and I'll have to rethink my defence of um, Brentford if, if, it, if it doesn't work out. Well, yes. Well, I, I, I'm not going to disagree with what anyone said at all. I, I think, um, for want of a better expression, Sheffield Wednesday are there to be taken um, I, 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 you know if, if we play anywhere near our capacity we'll, we're going we're gonna to beat, beat them um, I don't think we're going to be complacent I, I think we, we are very aware that what's required I think we do have to get the season back on track uh, whether that's automatic promotion is very very questionable now um, but the playoff pack is really really tight still we, we do need those points to make sure that we're cemented well ahead of that playoff pack uh, with some very tricky games coming up. Um, so personally, it, I, don't, I don't think we're going to wipe the floor with them. I'm going, I'm going 3-1 Brentford. And I think at 5 o'clock, we should, we should be in a, a fairly, fairly happy mood. There's other games going on around us. Friday night, Forest are at home to Millwall. Um, Forest, I thought, were particularly average at Middlesbrough the other night. Bristol City are at home to Fulham. That's a 12.30 kick-off. They play before us. Uh, that, that could be a draw. Um, or Bristol City to win, perhaps, if we do. Uh, and then Leeds have got Huddersfield at Ellen Road. It's got, I can't see anything other than a Leeds win there. Uh, Preston host Queen's Park Rangers. And then Swansea host West Brom. Oh, and Derby play Blackburn on the Sunday. So all the teams around us have got fairly, fairly tricky games, probably apart from Leeds. Um, and, yeah, apart from Leeds, the rest of them have got games they need to, they need to dig in deep for. So we'll go around the table. We're all 100% bees wins. Yeah. 100% bees wins. So thank you ever so much for one over the eight tonight. Brilliant hosts. Had some really good beers and a little bit of red wine. As we say, come on, you bees. 
The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.